0: time for some more Uncle Ted. We'll go over yesterday's psychology of leftism, and, some um, you ready? You want some more Uncle Ted? I thought so. Here
1: we go. In 1995, an American man took it upon himself to single-handedly challenge the entire post-industrial truth regime. Theodore Kaczynski sent bomb threats to mainstream media institutions, along with a demand to publish his manifesto, Industrial Society and its Future. These were not the ramblings of a deranged terrorist, however, but rather the most pungent critique of industrial society since its emergence, conceived by a 167 IQ genius. The New York Times and Washington Post responded by printing the essay in its entirety, marking the birth of an ideological movement that would later gain notoriety under the name anarcho-primitivism. This two-part series is intended to cover the major points of analysis in Kaczynski's manifesto. This video will explore his psychological deconstruction of contemporary leftism, which he identifies as symptomatic for the deeply troublesome state of our society. The second video will highlight his assessment of the negative relationship between technology and human freedom. Kaczynski defines contemporary leftists mainly as socialists, collectivists, politically correct types, feminists, gay and disability activists, animal rights activists and the like. What these fragmented groups all have in common though are two psychological tendencies, feelings of inferiority and over-socialization. The former is a trait that is often found in hypersensitive minority rights activists who seek to radically limit speech that they deem to be offensive. He identifies low self-esteem and powerlessness as the origin for these positions. To find up-to-date examples for this sort of behaviour, one must look no further than to Black Lives Matter or LGBT activists who continually obstruct discourse in the name of social justice. The most extreme activists among them are overwhelmingly university-educated, white-heterosexual upper-middle-class males who defend minority groups precisely because they see them as inferior and therefore identify with them. He attributes a postmodern mentality to them as they constantly deconstruct anything that is strong, good and successful, such as western civilization itself. Leftists lack confidence in their own ability and therefore seek to construct a society in which the state takes care of everyone. The concept of competition goes against their intrinsic nature because they feel like losers. Leftists fight against the fabric of reality itself because they cannot bear the fact that human behavior and abilities are genetic. Any group that ends up in an inferior position within society therefore is not to be held accountable for their actions, but rather society at large. Kaczynski concludes that leftists have a deficit in their sense of power and self-worth, but they can still conceive of themselves as having the capacity to be strong. This however is only the case in the framework of large movements or groups because the leftists cannot conceive of themselves as individually strong and valuable. A perfect example for this would be Antifa, a terrorist organization that engages in street violence but only in the context of large anonymous groups. The high levels of hostility present in a leftist activist type are intended to satisfy their emotional needs for power. This became apparent during the American race riots this year, in which Antifa was heavily involved. Acts of violence and destruction in the name of racial justice actually create more hatred towards the group in whose name these acts are committed. The leftist activists do not believe in the surface level issues they purport to care about. They are merely a way for them to cope with their frustration. As Kaczynski put it, if our society had no social problems at all, the leftists would have to invent problems in order to provide themselves with an excuse for making a fuss. The latter trait, over-socialization, applies to people who cannot think, feel or act within the moral framework of their society without experiencing feelings of guilt and inadequacy. If a child is raised by excessive moral shaming, they will likely develop self-hatred. A common phenomenon that can be observed in Western education systems is the wide prevalence of white guilt and post-colonial narratives that create a situation of over-socialization. Western children grow up ashamed of aspects of their identity that they cannot change, such as ancestry or skin color. These children are often so over-socialized that they cannot even experience unclean thoughts that go against the accepted moral narrative of the Western truth regime. Kaczynski therefore proposes that the most zealous leftists, such as university intellectuals, are also the most over-socialized people in our society. Leftists might be perceived as rebels, but in reality they are the most radical supporters of the system, to such an extent even that they start to accuse the system itself of failing its own moral framework. Liberal democracy, the predominant ideology of the Western world, cements the belief in equality as one of its moral principles. Leftists tend to critique this system not because they disagree with its premise, but because it is taking equality not far enough. Communism is therefore their preferred form because it is the reductio ad absurdum of democratic morality. Another example in the manifesto is the American left struggle for black empowerment. In reality, this is an attempt by them to integrate the African-American community into the industrial system by making them conform to white middle-class ideals such as holding a respectable job, climbing the status ladder, being a responsible parent and so forth. The leftists are so pathologically over-socialized that even when they break with the norms of society, for example when they commit violence, they do it in the name of mainstream values such as fighting for racial equality. Kaczynski therefore concludes that leftism is the result of a society that increasingly socializes its population. Furthermore, he describes the dangers of leftism resulting from this specific psychology. Leftists are intrinsically collectivist and only care about satisfying their need for power. They seek to bind the world together into a unified whole. This can only be achieved by removing human freedom through the centralization of technology. Leftists may pretend to oppose power structures, but history has shown that they will only do this until they capture the systems of social control for themselves. This was the case in the Soviet Union or even more recently in Western academia. As outsiders they opposed censorship, but once they took control they re-implemented it stricter than ever before. Kaczynski points out that leftism is a sort of religion because its adherents need to believe in it, otherwise the entire psychological self-conception will fall apart. By convincing themselves that their inferior slave morality is in fact the moral high ground, they create an emotional dependency that cannot be broken by mere facts and logic. He also identifies this aspect as the cause for the totalitarian tendencies in leftism. Leftists can never be satisfied, as their true intentions are the gain of power. Even if society would satisfy all of their current desires, within a few years the leftists would again succumb to their desire to complain about non-issues, just to impose their solutions on others. Because of their high levels of socialization, the leftists cannot pursue power in a normal way, they have to force their morality onto others. Their belief in the greater movement is so strong, that especially weaker leftist types can never doubt it in public, even if they disapprove of its actions in private. Again, one can look at the George Floyd riots of this year, where the leftist mainstream media in particular would outright deny any acts of violence and looting committed by so-called peaceful protesters. Kaczynski identifies collectivism, social engineering and a disdain for any form of competition as leftist characteristics. The most dangerous type, according to him however, are over-socialized crypto-leftists. They tend to work under the cover of bourgeois methods towards achieving their ideologically and psychologically motivated goals. Groups that often fall into this category tend to be bureaucrats, journalists, teachers and lecturers that are true believers in a collectivist ideology. Ted Kaczynski's great achievement in his ideological deconstruction is the conclusion that leftism should rather be classified as a mental condition instead of a coherent political movement. When viewed from this perspective, a lot of absurd positions held by leftists suddenly make sense. They never intend to solve issues reasonably, but rather aim to satisfy their pathological need for power. Ultimately, this is the reason why leftism is a dangerous totalitarian force that always ends up being incompatible with human freedom. How industrialized society creates the leftist psychology and its overall impact on the future of human society will be covered in the next video. In the first part about Ted Kaczynski's manifesto Industrial Society and its Future, we covered his analysis of the leftist psychology. If you have not seen that video, click on the suggested link now. This part will cover his more famous area of analysis, namely the negative relationship between technology and human freedom. His central point is that industrial society has created a framework of civilization that requires human and social engineering to sustain itself. According to Kaczynski, the Industrial Revolution has subjected people in advanced nations to indignities, widespread psychological suffering and has inflicted severe damage on the natural world. If the industrial system continues to exist, its effects will become increasingly worse, making more centralization of power and technology necessary. He believes that if it is not stopped, it will end up reducing human beings to engineered products and mere cogs in the social machine. One of the major psychological effects that the industrial system has on humans is that it disrupts their ability to participate in the power process. The power process contains the four elements goal, effort, attainment of goal and in some cases autonomy. The mere possession of power is not enough to satisfy this process. It needs to be applied towards some goal. Kaczynski offers the example of an aristocrat without a challenger to his position. This person can obtain physical necessities and other goals without much effort, resulting in boredom, demoralization and depression. The same holds true on the opposite end of the spectrum. If a person consistently fails to attain their goals, they will end up suffering from similar psychological conditions as well as low self-esteem. Ideally, a human invests effort and struggles for attainable goals, but they have to yield a reasonable rate of success. In modern western societies, most people find themselves in a similar position to medieval kings. They do not have to struggle to fulfill their physical necessities. To cope with this situation, they turn to artificial goals to satisfy their drive for the power process, just like the aristocracy of old. Kaczynski uses the term surrogate activities to describe this phenomenon and presents the Japanese Emperor Hirohito as an example. He became one of the world's most renowned marine biologists as he never had to struggle to satisfy his physical needs. The manifesto lays out a simple identification scheme for surrogate activities. If a person would have to invest their physical and mental capacities in a varied and interesting way to satisfy their biological needs, would they feel deprived at the non-attainment of their other goals? If the answer is no, these would constitute surrogate activities. Marine biology falls under this category as it is a science that is not concerned with the fulfillment of one's own physical needs. Because it takes not much more than simple obedience to survive in western nations, they are built around the provision of surrogate activities. Pursuits like science, athletic achievement, cultural creation, corporate careers, materialism and even activism that is not concerned with one's own well-being are presented as examples for this in the manifesto. These activities are not sufficient to satisfy the power process and are therefore leading to a state of constant restlessness. An aspect of this is that people satisfy their physical needs by functioning as parts of an immense social machine and not on their own. A lack of autonomy plays a large factor for some humans as they need to take an independent and self-directed effort towards the attainment of their goals, either on their own or within a small group. The large-scale collective that is industrialized society prevents this by increasingly influencing the lives and decisions of its subjects, preventing them from achieving a sense of power and self-worth. Failing to experience the power process in a meaningful way leads to demoralization and inferiority feelings, which are the origin of the leftist psychology discussed in the previous part. These issues do not tend to play a significant role in primitive societies, leading Kaczynski to the conclusion that these psychological issues emerge in industrialized systems because humans are not adapted to live under their conditions. Factors that play into that are excessive population density, isolation of man from nature, rapid social change and the dissolution of small social units like the traditional family. Urbanization, a consequence of technological progress, tends to provide a less stable environment than nature, further increasing the levels of stress on human beings. Traditional values tend to break down because the rapid advance of technology disrupts all other areas of life and therefore also leads to rapid social change. Small-scale social units are broken apart as technological society often requires individuals to switch locations to enjoy better education, career opportunities or healthcare. It also has an incentive to actively promote this process to shift the loyalty of the population away from the family or tribe towards the system itself. It can only tolerate small-scale groups that are pacified and emasculated, as they do not pose a threat to its position. This rapidly changing environment is a breeding ground for social and mental issues. Kaczynski argues that the decisive factor in that is not the change itself, but rather the imposed nature of it. While explorers and pioneers lived in a changing environment, they did not suffer from the same psychological conditions. This can be attributed to the fact that they experience change out of their own desire for adventure, whereas a modern man is powerless against the rapid transformation of his environment. The manifesto establishes three groups of human drives. The first are those that are easy to satisfy. The second are those that can be satisfied with extensive effort, which is described as going through the power process. The third are those that cannot be achieved no matter what. In industrial society, it is either too easy to satisfy human desires or too hard creating a sense of powerlessness and inferiority which proliferates mental illness. Physical necessities tend to be pushed into group number 1, whereas group number 2 mostly consists of artificial materialistic desires that are perpetuated by the marketing and advertisement industries. The pursuit of these false desires in combination with existential nihilism has created a chronic sense of purposelessness that has emasculated Western civilization. Other aspects that are severely disrupted by industrial society are the human desires for autonomy and security. The acquisition of wealth is often bound to the degree of obedience to the system. People get rewarded for adhering to laws, regulation and expert opinions, not for their own individual initiative. The desire for security is basically unsatisfiable, since technology often puts human lives at its mercy, one has to rely entirely on the decisions of others that pull the levers in the system. These people tend to be pilots, politicians, government economists, corporate executives and the like. Whereas a primitive man was not helpless in the face of adversity, a modern man has no way to protect himself from a nuclear explosion, a global economic crisis or an airplane crash. Despite the fact that the latter man is probably more physically secure, it is the former man that lives with a higher degree of psychological security because he knows he can rely on himself in almost any situation. Threats in a primitive society can be attributed to chance, such as disease, whereas threats to modern humans tend to be imposed by the system and man-made in origin. The failure of industrial society to satisfy the before-mentioned desires sufficiently stems from a lack of human freedom which creates frustration and anger. It is so restrictive, in fact, that even the expression of these emotions tends to be regulated. The enforcement of these regulations only serves to protect the system from instability and is therefore often exercised through indirect measures like psychological pressure, propaganda and manipulation. The resulting, unsatisfying lifestyle in modern society leads to anomalies in human behaviour, such as a lack of interest in having offspring, an obsessive focus on longevity and maintaining physical attractiveness even at an advanced age. Opposed to that stands a primitive life, in which a man tends to accept the progression of his life with much more ease. He has gone through the power process adequately enough to be satisfied with what he has achieved and therefore does not fear death. A modern man, who never had to physically struggle to sustain his fragile body, is far more inclined to fear its deterioration in old age, because he has never put it to practical use in a serious manner. This unfulfillment cannot be simply substituted for by the provision of opportunities to go through the power process in industrial society as this would lack the autonomy of the individual making their own opportunities. According to Kaczynski, freedom is defined as the opportunity to go through the power process with real goals, such as the satisfaction of physical necessities or the desire to make and care for offspring. It means using power to influence and control the circumstances of one's existence. The types of freedoms that are guaranteed to citizens of Western nations are of a lesser value to him. They are framed in such a way to support and protect the economic and technological structure of the system. Freedom of the press, for example, is mostly beneficial to large media organizations. This allows them to propagate an interpretation of reality that protects the status quo while drowning out dissent coming from free-thinking individuals. He describes the Western conception of freedom as bourgeois. They are only made up of liberties that either promote the expansion of the industrial system or those that do not hinder it. Kaczynski argues that the setup of our society is fundamentally biased towards the proliferation and innovation of technology at the cost of human freedom. He concludes that this progressive element can never be reformed or incrementally changed as it is tied to the stability of the current system. Only a radical overthrow in the form of a revolution could reverse this process with unpredictable and potentially dangerous consequences. Furthermore, he describes how industrial society has to apply social engineering to function. This creates a sense of powerlessness amongst the population that has to be countered with psychological measures such as propaganda or mental health programs to convince the masses that this is happening in their interest. A fitting example for this is the COVID pandemic of this year. The outbreak of SARS-2 was a result of globalized transport networks. This occurred at such a pace that it might have caused mass hysteria around the globe. Initially it was therefore in the interest of the system to downplay and deny the effects of the disease, further contributing to its initial spread. Western governments, media organizations and international health organizations such as the WHO attempted to avoid any disruptive action because they were not prepared to control the situation. Only once they had prepared sufficiently to exercise extensive population control, they rapidly switched the narrative and drastically emphasized the importance of measures to fight the pandemic. By this point in time, however, the brunt of the actual health crisis had been born and the death rate was declining. Since then, the crisis has been manufactured by the before-mentioned organizations, mostly by pointing out irrelevant rising infection numbers and ignoring the extremely low death rate. The only reason why this supposed pandemic is still a daily talking point is because it justifies the measures taken by the industrial system to permanently restrict and regulate human behavior. The technocratic liberal elites have realized that this situation is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to accelerate the dependence of society on complex technology. Lockdowns, mass surveillance and other grave invasions of human freedom can now be applied to systematically silence opposition and support social engineering measures. It is clear for example that media campaigns and protest bans have been mostly applied to anti-lockdown demonstrations across the western world. Protests that do not threaten the industrial system, however, have been tolerated and used as a way to create violence on the streets to keep the average frightened citizen at home. As Kaczynski puts it, the system has to force people to behave in ways that are increasingly remote from the natural pattern of human behaviour. The more people receive checks from the government, dial in to work online, or get their food and essentials delivered by logistical transport operations, the more influence does the system exercise over the individual. Life in Western society is dependent on the cooperation of millions of people and machines. This has removed almost all autonomy from individuals and local communities, as they now have to rely on large-scale communication networks, transport and healthcare systems. The system cares only about sustaining itself And this is why it reacts so detached from human desires in threatening situations, such as the COVID pandemic. When a new disease threatens to shut down the global transportation framework, it seeks to prevent a panic. Once the actual threat is over, it creates the panic to justify an extension of its powers. The actual well-being and health of humans is not relevant to the industrial system. Gaining autonomy from the system is next to impossible, even for small business owners that are not influenced by large organizations. They have to adapt new technologies that are developed by large organizations to remain competitive and are therefore still reliant on them. Even the supposed positive effects of the technological regime bear negative consequences for human freedom. If medicine innovates to a point where it can effectively cure cancer or diabetes, it will cause an increase of these traits in the gene pool of the population. As a result, it will increasingly turn to genetic engineering or eugenics programs such as abortion to keep the prevalence of these diseases in check. The broad population will accept these measures because they allow them to function within industrial society by reducing the effects of physical and mental illness caused by the system itself. The competitive pressure will force the minority of people who reject this interference with nature either into the lower strata of society or into grudging compliance. What applies to this case applies to all other technological innovations. When they are introduced they might be optional at first, but soon they change the entire setup of society and therefore force individuals to use them. One could imagine that the introduction of an effective COVID vaccine will be optional at first, but refusal to take the injection will lead to restrictions down the line. It might exclude individuals from participating in the workplace, using public utilities and even limiting their ability to move freely. These unique technological advances might appear to be desirable when viewed on their own. The combined effect of all technological advances since the Industrial Revolution, however, has created a civilization in which the fate of the individual man is reliant upon the decisions of politicians, corporate executives, anonymous technicians and faceless bureaucrats. The population becomes fully dependent on these technologies and the organizations that provide them. Technology therefore is a more powerful social force than freedom. Especially people that tend to be involved in the research and development of technology, like technicians and scientists, will ignore the negative consequences of their work for human freedom. This can be attributed to the fact that their craft is their surrogate activity, which makes them psychologically dependent. Other institutions use technology because it serves them to advance their own interests. Industrial society therefore knows no compromises, because the mere existence of complex technology provides incentive enough for some organizations to accept the wide reduction of human freedom. One can therefore either reject and seek the complete destruction of the industrial system, or one can embrace it but must also accept its dramatic consequences. Ted Kaczynski famously advocates for the former approach and calls for a potentially violent revolution against the industrial system. His justification is that the revolution will have negative short-term effects but it will prevent a lot of the negative long-term effects that would emerge if industrial society is allowed to exist into the future. He predicts that the following decades might be the ideal window for evolution as the pressures of industrial society on the human psychology will inevitably create social unrest that threatens the survival of the entire system. This statement was published 25 years ago and history has proven his predictions in this regard to be correct. Since the early 2000s, Western nations have been experiencing more and more social instability and stress. He argues that civilization has always put pressure on human beings to adjust their behaviour in the form of socialisation. In the pre-industrial age, societies would simply start to collapse if their population was pushed too far. This however is not the case in the industrial system, as it invents ways to modify humans in such a way that they adapt to more societal pressure. Some of these tools are drugs, mass surveillance, propaganda and entertainment. If a person gets depressed because they cannot satisfy their need for the power process sufficiently, the system just prescribes them antidepressants. If anyone acts in a hostile way towards the system, mass surveillance will make sure that they are dealt with before they can inflict any serious harm to the system. Propaganda can be used to pacify the broad mass of people as it is used to influence public opinion to favour the industrial regime. Entertainment is used to provide individuals with an escape from their meaningless and dissatisfactory everyday life. Another aspect that is mentioned in the manifesto is the education system, which is tasked with developing children into young adults that behave and think in a desirable way for the system. It will not only apply psychological techniques to control the population, but also biological modifications and it will impose these on the masses in order to guarantee its own survival. Again, these individual measures will always appear to be beneficial when viewed on their own. All these measures taken together, however, will inevitably lead to a severe restriction of human freedom. This will occur in the form of behavioural control that will become mandatory through competitive pressure once a large enough portion of the population adapts it. The elimination of human freedom is not something that the industrial system consciously desires, but it has to achieve this regardless to deal with its greatest threats. Socialising the population is another word for pacification. Once this process is completed, the system can indefinitely sustain itself, having to rely only on a small group of global elites that are in charge of it. This effectively means that it has full control over the human population without having to fear any resistance. It will be too advanced to be challenged by any non-technological group or movement. This section is highly relevant with regard to the events of the current year. It is clear that there are ambitions by the contemporary global elites to initiate a fourth industrial revolution to deal with so-called existential threats to humanity. In reality, however, these are only threats to the system. Under the guise of manufactured mass hysteria such as climate change, the global pandemic or terrorism lay the true ambitions of the technocratic elites, the desire to control human behavior absolutely to protect the advancement of industrial technological society. Kaczynski describes the dilemma of humanity's addiction to technology. To continue on the current path would mean creating rapid and frequent disruptions to society that have various predictable and unpredictable negative outcomes that will lead to human suffering. Overthrowing the industrial system on the other hand would also mean creating suffering, because a large portion of the world population is kept alive by organization-dependent technology. It is likely, however, that the latter case will be the less painful and degrading one in the long run. His prediction for the future of industrial societies dire because it can only survive if it perfects behavioral control. On the one hand it could lead to the creation of artificial intelligence which would effectively control everything due to its superior problem solving capabilities. This would make human life without technology close to impossible. On the other hand it could also be that control over large machine systems would be maintained by humans but only in the hands of a small elite. The population would be at the mercy of this group as they could either decide to exterminate or take care of the now superfluous masses. In any case, most humans would only fulfil meaningless tasks in society and they would have no influence over the circumstances of their existence. Ultimately, Ted Kaczynski concludes that industrial society and all organization-dependent technology needs to be destroyed uncompromisingly in order to regain and preserve human freedom. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube, BitShoot on Library. We have a gaming channel and a Discord community now. Feel free to check them out. Links in the description. we mm-hmm. Bam. Mm-hmm. I think I ended it.
0: Boom. Yeah. Um, let me give you the bottom feeding, low brain, double digit IQ take on Ted Kaczynski. Well, why are you using a computer if it's anti tech? You didn't understand a fucking word that was just said if all you got out of that is technology bad. That's not what he fucking said. Jesus. I just... Some of these people... I was waiting for it. Right? Well, let's just go live in the woods. That's not what he fucking said. He's showing you a side effect of technological society on the population starting with leftist psychology it's a mental disease these people who are immersed in an enraging inferiority complex uh, who basically have no talents they're not creative they're not smart they're not good-looking they're not strong they're not anything that's just look at Antifa BLM, it's a bunch of decrepit, weird, androgynous soy boy losers. They band together and rage on behalf of the system, not against the system. They don't like science or rationality or western values, anything that has a definitive right and wrong, winner loser. And they get that way in part because of the system. That has stripped them of autonomy. That has stripped them of a healthy way to participate in the power process. That does not mean this is an intrinsic part of technology. It's the tech we actually use and how it's implemented. That is alienating. There are other ways to go through the power process. Since technology has already fulfilled all your physical needs and things is why you have to find other things to engage in and not just veg out on Netflix and television or whatever nothing stops you from farming things or fishing or whatever on your own even though you don't have to you don't have to do these activities because of the fruits they bear we used to It's not like you have to farm in order to eat or hunt or fish. There's more to it than that. You got a lot more out of these activities than just the food. It's the actualization of your potentials that gives you a sense of fulfillment. That's what he's talking about in goal attainment. You have to exercise a certain degree of physical, social, intellectual, and creative energy. And then obtain your goal. You have to have a moderate amount of success. You cannot always lose or always win. The value in it is in the struggle. If you do not participate in activities that push yourself into exercising these potentials you will feel depressed and all these negative things that have come from technology stripping out um, a position where you're forced to do those things now you have to choose to so it doesn't matter if it's martial arts or whatever you know weightlifting something to do you need physical activities you need intellectual activities You need to engage in creativity. You need a certain amount of social skills, interactions with other people to be healthy. Tony Robbins could pick up the ball from here and show you what you ought to do. We have so many psychologically damaged people because they're not engaged in any of these things. They go to school. They sit there six hours a day. They be obedient. They do their homework. Then they go into escapism stuff. They're not, there's a difference between playing a game because you enjoy it and playing it because you hate your life and you need something else to engage with so you stop thinking about the other things. Same with drugs or whatever. You could do drugs because you enjoy them. You could also do them to escape your life. Escapism is a temporary relief that leads to larger problems down the road. We're going to be discussing Uncle Ted over on ANC Discord. Probably today. Let's check the bigot arena first. Lone Star Texan pops a cherry with a dead Hamilton, and says, Fuck libtard commies, they are our enemy. <laughs> As my savior once said, they are of their father, the devil. I hear you, man. Anderson Paladin uh, puts up the the hilltop, says, Dragnalon forever. <laughs> Double diagonalon. Ernie Truth for three says, Rye, my guy, off topic, but were you taking uh wrestling yesterday one libtard i want to convert is jim Cornette. <laughs> uh i wish one day you could set him straight i know i mean, is good on a lot of things but he is just dumb on politics um he is uh against the war though so that's something at least but uh yeah he's stuck in his tribe you know liberal he, he's such a contrarian so being a liberal from kentucky is just part of his personality of just being not what everyone else is that's what i think but lone star texan for three says we are all uncle ted that's right that's a nice hashtag g for three says Raina kawa ryan i got my map and calendar great work uh, i assume that's the epstein map i want to ask about a quiet 9-11 character in the future frank lowry well, we've gone over Mr. Lowry and, and Silverstein and Kushner in Trump's Zinus Ball and Chain. I got a sneeze coming. Hey, don't you hate it when they're halfway there? And, whew, yeah, I'm allergic to Israel. Naturalist Capitalists for three says, do you hate neocons or commies more? <laughs> I hate the neocons more because... Uh, that's what fucked up our government. Um, I'm sure if I lived in West Taiwan, some people say China, uh, if I lived in West Taiwan or North Korea, I'd hate communists more. Um, Neocons are pretty much communists who are also imperialists. You know, at least some communist nations just starve to death their own people. They don't always attack their neighbors. Neocons too. Neocon is basically the marriage between the zionist who are fascist racist imperialist uh with the all the bad parts of the left you know they want uh the corporatism and bailouts and all that they want more government it's funny because there are people who think they're on the left who want to support labor rights like that's the goal is to help the worker But then all the policies they support don't help workers, right? Welfare doesn't help workers. That kills the poor. Uh, Raising the minimum wage, that doesn't help the poor. That just prices them out of a job. Uh, Unions and all these things, all they do is make things more expensive and actually hurt the common consumer and the common laborer. But it's weird because their goal is to help the worker. But in their own ignorance, they support all these things that do the opposite. The neocon supports all those things knowing goddamn well it hurts the worker because they don't care about the worker. And the communist only cares about himself. It's the most selfish ideology people ever devised. But I don't like the... I, I hate neocons more. I mean, I have the anti-neocon report, but it's a cunt hair different. Like, communists are right there with them. Communists are just useless. Neocons are dangerous. Uh... Blue lies Matter, uh... Are you going on no more news anytime soon? Not that I know of. DJ Cogdell. I'm going on Ralph Retort Thursday. About uh, RFK stuff. Should be a good talk. Are there any Civil War talks coming up? No, but I put... <laughs> on my new, new, new Twitter, I put some pictures up of Bastard Lincoln's uh, brother Wesley and his... Uh, his birth origins, shamefully, in North Carolina. Whatever. You know, Lincoln and his sister lied about their birth order trying to hide Lincoln's bastard path uh, past. Uh, Thomas Lincoln's not his father. His father was also named Abraham. I'll let you guess on the last name. And, uh, he was a bastard. He slept with his a servant. And, uh, they had slaves, too. His father was a slaveholder. Anyway. Uh, Civil War talks Um, I don't know I was explaining the SS Harriet and stuff to people the other day There's a lot of stuff on DawsonTime.com D-A-W-S-O-N Time.com, D-A-W-S-O-N time.com. Uh, Go watch the Civil War Marathon on there if you have requests like specific thing in the Civil War you, you want us to do I think that can be arranged You're gonna get me triggered on stinking Lincoln rolf peterson says looking good thanks for your work hey man thanks for the the eight dollars and 50 cents entropy has been a a godsend i'll tell you that we (laughs) all they did is support free speech they're like they have the same rules as youtube except they actually obey them they don't They don't stretch it and say, oh, well, anything I disagree with is hate speech, therefore I can just censor whatever. Voluntarist pops in with the dead Alexander Hamilton, says, can't stay. I'll catch it on your site if you upload it. Also, uh, maybe put the Killdozer anniversary on your next calendar. I enjoy your work very much. You know, I agree. Killdozer has to get on there. Tread on them. Absolutely. Killdozer will be on the uh, 2022 calendar for sure. Now, we've got a lot of films on A&C Report. They're free. Uh, if you want to learn about Israel-Palestine, Syria, the Iraq War, September 11th, um, colonialism in Africa, like there's so many films and so many different topics. Decades of Deception is my favorite. They're on there. We're just selling two of them right now. Everything else is is free. Members can watch it if you are a paladin or above. So how'd you like Uncle Ted? Scary. Eerie. How right he is. 26 years ago he wrote this. If you write to him in jail, he will write you back. He likes riddles, by the way. But you have to put the answers in because the guards are going to read everything. And you know they'll throw it away if they think there's a cryptic message. Yeah, the anti-farce book is VK. Uh, P1Dizzy just put a link in the sidebar. Get on VK, get off of Facebook. VK's like the Russian Facebook. By the way, does anybody know who's in the picture there on the horse? A gold star for you if you get it. You can tell from the regalia what uh, area he's from, but does anybody know? Lone Star Texan for three says, God bless anyone making an entropy account. Dagdalon, get off of them tube. <laughs> for real. Some Chad. That is, uh, well, that is a correct answer, I suppose. <laughs> All right. That is the bigoted arena. Oh, another one. Lone Star Texan with three says, God bless anyone. Oh, I got that one. All right. thought it it just popped up on the other side whatever someone's got a picture of Uncle Ted as their um, (laughs) avatar, that's awesome (laughs) no it's not Crazy Horse Crazy Horse is 10 feet tall (laughs) Yeah. uh, Centrality sends in one Jefferson and one Washington says I live in San Francisco fuck this place Absolutely, that place is already fucked. <laughs> it's the most fucked up city in the most fucked up, second most fucked up state. Sorry, New Jersey. Um, it's unfixable. I think Northern California is to separate from Southern California. And I'll tell you the secession movements I'm supporting right now. One, Greater Idaho. Somebody make a Greater Idaho mug or something. Hell, I'll do it. I support that one tags it obviously supporting tags it number three buckhead city or buckhead wants to separate from atlanta they pay a third of the taxes they get no benefits they had over a hundred policemen quit because the lady mayor there's just won't let you arrest minorities because you know racism or something so uh they're trying to secede they've raised a half million dollars they're ready to pay their own police force since people are getting stabbed and shot all the time now and break away from Atlanta. I'm like, hell yeah. Take your money away from Atlanta. Hire your own police force. You'll be fine. Just break away from the blue. Get away from the blues. The bluish question has to be answered and addressed. There must be a solution to all, this, all these blues. The blue versus red, right? The chair is from Liberty Lockdown from Clint, who was just on Tim Pool recently, I heard. And so I no longer look like a little midget, you know, because I'm practically sitting on the floor. (laughs) Today's, uh, this month's full moon. Does anybody know? We got Hate Richard Pearl Day coming up. That's basically every day for me. Nah, but you got the, uh, Strawberry moon coming. Of course, strawberries are good in June. The month of July is Judeo fascist awareness month, and we got a lot coming. First of all, July second, we're gonna have the ride Jack Lane Maxwell one year in jail anniversary. July fourth, Independence Day. We've got over two thousand videos. From the ovened YouTube account that are all on the same day going to be made public on PeerTube so you can have fun going through the archives. And then July 7th we've got the anniversary of Epstein's arrest and we're going to do a marathon of all the Sean Atwood interviews and Epstein interviews I did back to back to back to back things like nine hours long. And what I'll do is, as that's playing and entropy's open, we'll jump on Discord and discuss or whatever. And You know, a lot of you have heard it, probably, and no one's going to sit and listen to that whole thing. But just link to it throughout the day and have people come on, you know, say, Hey, you want some Epstein stuff? Go watch the marathon. Then, of course, that will self-destruct. Jack will be involved in that as well because of reasons. It's July. Why not? So, triple holiday there. Glane's still in jail. Epstein's dead and the 4th of July. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, always, oh sorry, before Stephanie, before Lone Star, G says Do you know much about the Fox and Epstein's Black Book? I'm guessing he's uh, Linde's son. We have gone over. I have a whole video on black book stuff that I recommend you see. I'll go find it after this. I just I don't have the energy. I don't feel like going over all of Epstein shit right now. Lone Star Texan for three says Blue Jays suck. (laughs) Stephanie for three says Greater Idaho has a T hat stickers and vinyl banner on their site. Well, there you go. It's already been made. I'm going to buy one. Send them donos. Want something? Do they ship to Japan, though? Because if they do, I'm on it. If not, I'll make my own. Centrality says, um, most people here, and by the way, here's the link to uh, Greater Idaho, where you can get your Greater Idaho gear. I'm gonna put it in the sidebar. There you go. Thank you, Stephanie. There it is. Did that work? Did that not work? Yes yeah, there it is, alright back to the bigot arena Centrality for three says most people here are fucking retarded but there are a good amount of people who see how insane it is, Uh, she's talking about San Francisco, even people on the left are waking up after the Rona reaction (laughs) what, all the homeless people shitting outside in tent cities and stuff wasn't enough, Rona is what did it, why, because they couldn't go to sit inside of their favorite restaurant, that finally shook Shook them enough to, you know, break them into looking at reality in the face. (laughs) San Francisco, it's Pelosi, Kamala Harris, and Maxine Waters, all from the same city. It's like the three bitches of the West. The wicked bitches of the West. All of them. Like, somebody better check Hillary's birth record, you never know. I mean, Pelosi, Kamala, and Waters. Thanks, San Fran. We should just wall that city in. The place is broken. It's retarded because you have a whole generation of people that smoke pot as teenagers and they all grew up stupid and so you end up with San Francisco. You're not going to get on a list if you write Uncle Ted. Just write him and say, you know, the manifesto really made you think that he's right about everything you know except for him mailing bombs obviously he did that if he did that he's framed he was tortured by henry murray at harvard did they did psychological experiments on their students from the oss lived to be 95 total piece of shit murray re 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 You found me, yeah, this is the the old backup YouTube channel, Reina Kawa, and we're going to make a backup, backup YouTube channel for when uh, they show uh, this one. The Gestapo of YouTube that is pro-war, pro-pedophile, pro-racism, all the things they pretend not to be but actually are. They censor voices. Anything that's not part of the radical left, they're getting rid of it. In the words of Jim Jones, drinks on the house. (laughs) I have to bounce here shortly. Um, I think it is due for another Dawson and Dawson uh, show. I think that'd be great. So we've got the RFK show Thursday, 10 o'clock Eastern time. Should be Friday morning here. And then I think I'm going on Fitzgerald's show about September 11th. What are the subs now? I don't know 5.6 whatever but um yeah I got over almost to 2,000 on Twitter in like three days uh, thanks to a lot of these libertarians that are sharing it around. I tell the libertarian party is like I had a bigger following than anybody there almost any two people there pretty much double the next highest person. So don't tell me what we have to do to grow. What you have to do is in the purity spirals and in the snarkiness. And it's the noobs that are the worst about this. They're like, oh, you don't even know about fractal reserve banking, and it's something they learned a month ago or whatever. Oh, uh, you know, don't act like that to people. It's off-putting. Open your arms, say, and let them see. Look what Dr. Paul did. He's been saying that shit for 40 years. But he never got frustrated. He just delivered the right message. Did you get canned off Twitter? Congratulations. Yeah, I'm on my, like, I don't even know, eighth account or something. (laughs) I had four erased right away. Uh, One of them was given back and then taken away again. Twitter sucks, but... I have to be on there because millennials, that's how they communicate. They DM each other on Twitter. So I can't get invited to shows unless I'm at least on there with my head underwater to say, yes, this is my DM. I know not to talk about Israel or the Confederacy because that's the two things that pisses them off the most. But I haven't been doing a good job because I've been talking about both those things. Centrality for Three says, I shit you not, they think giving needles to the homeless and putting more money towards the homeless problem is the right way to go. Not wanting to wear a mask is what was waking some of them up. (laughs) Yeah, they got uncomfortable wearing their muzzle. You know, the virus is an eighth of a micron long. It goes right through a mask anyway. Most of you probably had it and didn't know it because the majority of people are asymptomatic. And there is no fucking India strain or Mexico strain or whatever they're trying to scare people with. Here's how you know what to do. Look at whatever the British leadership is doing and do the opposite thing. And then you'll be doing the right thing. Or whatever John Bolton says, the opposite is true. You'll be right every time if you just disagree with John Bolton or currently Boris Johnson. I mean, the guy's a fucking spaz he looks like Chris Farley uh, and with less brains and not funny just fat messy haired slob that's scared of his own shadow and his initials are blowjob fucking perfect for the UK I feel sorry for Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland you know it's England behind it <laughs> it's people they're just like their immigration policies grab both ankles and say, "Yes, sir, may I have another." Yeah, and it's in Ireland too. Just tell them the fuck off. Like the cure for COVID is turn off your TV, take off your fucking mask, and go about your business. It's not. It's a non-issue. It's not a threat. If you're not morbidly obese or over eighty years old, you don't have to worry about it. What you have to worry about is the government. Using this to strip away more of your freedoms, it's that old attitude. Facebook, too, we know better. So they said, You're not allowed to say it's from Wuhan. Turns out it was from Wuhan, but no one was allowed to say it because Facebook and Fauci decided they know better, they're the liberal elite. We got 19 in the bigot arena, by the way. Here's a link. We're not allowed to do normal super chats, so you can come in here to this link that Raina is posting to do shekel chats. DJ Cogdill says, But, 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 Rye, I thought the truth had to be surrounded by a shield of lies, and I thought you were supposed to climb your comb your hair with a balloon every day. Yeah, that's what Fauci did with the mask-no-mask no mask crap. He decided to believe in John Dewey's notion of the noble lie. Like the peasants can't handle it or whatever. I'm going to go with Jesus Christ instead of uh, John Dewey and say, Tell the truth. The truth will set you free. Just tell the truth. And the truth is, we don't need these blueberries. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they panic. I think some people enjoy panicking. The pantshitter shitter crowd. The same one that followed around Alex Jones and believed in the FEMA and the black helicopters and the Jade Helm and all that. They're the same ones that run around thinking there's a biovirus going to wipe out the population and eugenics and da-da-da-da-da. They like being afraid. The experimental gene therapy that they're parading around as a vaccine is killing some people. More, you have a high, if you're young, you have a higher chance of getting fucked up from the gene therapy than you do from the actual virus. And you definitely have a higher rate of having a financial burden because of the overreaction to the virus. Thanks, you government. You like that, Doc? I don't know which one you're referring to, but anyway, let me, uh, show you what's behind door number one. Free Julian Assange. Should start saying it every day. But you can see how sincere the FBI is in their investigations when they're spending all this time on the joke Capitol riots and not even today on Seth Rich and you can see the concern for whistleblowers and truth telling when Julian Assange is in jail Mordecai Venunu's in jail Snowden's in exile and the Pelosi's and the Clintons and the Liars, the Falchi's, they walk around Falchi's walking around that little smurf free, right now when he financed very dangerous experimental lab experiments on coronaviruses in China. Excuse me, West Taiwan. Mainland Taiwan. China doesn't exist. Do what they do. Oh, well, what could go wrong? You're going to let the communists be in charge of safety procedures for deadly viruses. It's like turning on a chainsaw putting it on the table and telling a bunch of three-year-olds not to touch it. What could go wrong? Anyway, I think we're kicking a dead horse. There's not a single person watching that is scared of the coof. We all agree. So what we need to do is have some honeyjack, And that's what I'm going to do because i got to put my nose to the books about RFK for the next day so I can do a good job on Ralph's show. So I'll see you if Ethan Ralph Ralph retort, not report, retort, like a retort to something. Uh, and that's uh, Thursday at 10 o'clock. Just uh, search engine, the Ralph retort. I'm sure you can find it. And I am not responsible for any of the other guests or anything they've said who've been on the show. I'm just doing my stuff. I am going to do voice discord. Uh, so let's jump over there. If you don't have that, let me give you the link right now. Or can one of the uh, one of the ladies do that? Let's see who gets it first. I saw a Pug in chat, or I thought I did earlier. You do, you should come over and talk Uncle Ted with us, man. There's Discord link, and we're gonna be in the uh, the chat thing. Voice chat. Drink and do a good job. That's all we ask. Well, I have to drink off the no planers and stuff because they're nothing but stress. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be doing a good job, I think. I know RFK in and out, but it's been a while. So I just refreshed myself listening to my own stuff. (laughs) Oh, you got the USSA book? That's awesome. Back in 07. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, I predicted the Syrian war in that book, chapter 32, called Get Serious. Talked about the re-assassination and how the neocons are moving into Syria next. It's the first book I wrote. Alright, do not share this. This video will uh, self-destruct. But the copy will be on our website later in the day. But I'm not doing it now because we're going to Discord.